good, y'all? It's your boy Herb. And it's your girl Mo. And welcome to our soon to be where we're now podcast. Young, black, and figure it out. What up, though? What it do? Whatever we tell it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How you feeling? I'm feeling amazing. Me too. I'm not gonna lie. Not phenomenal. All the above. Okay, fair. Yeah, all the above. Yeah. I'm. Uh. I think. For first of all. Today is a good day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We got an amazing episode. Yes. And folks were probably waiting on the uh, what did we figure out, but we don't got time for that today. Why got time for that? Why we don't got time for that today? We have a very special, special guest. guest in the building. Yes. Uh, and this is uh, a repeat guest. We only bring back the best and brightest. So let's clap it up for <laughs> Mr. Kevin Beckford in the building. Yes. yes, 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 yes. How's it going? You go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you. I'm Kevin Beckford and I'm old black and still figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I have been planning for that, Herb. I had that in his pocket. Like, I can't wait till I come oh back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was good. I love that. Oh, my yeah. yeah, so uh, my name is Kevin Beckford, and uh, I live here in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. And um, my I work for a company called Grid Health. Um, I'm the Senior Vice President for Health Systems and the Chief People Officer. Um, also pretty active in the community around anti-racism and equity work. Yeah, Beautiful. thank you. Yes, mm-hmm. and glad to have you here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, even uh, just off camera before we started talking today and off mic is just a lot of good information and knowledge. So we know that today will be that, especially um, for today's topic. And I yes. think today's topic is going to be, I think a lot of the times we kind of exist at the high level and share lived experiences, but mm-hmm. this will be things I think people can apply mm-hmm. to their everyday life as we talk about just um, – we haven't named it yet, y'all, but we're going to figure out the name. But just the idea of managing wealth, right? And, yes. and how do you do that well, how that applies, uh, impacts people's life? Because that really uh, is, as individuals can do that, mm-hmm. uh, it affects the entire community, especially mm-hmm. for black and brown folks, right? Yes. Right. And so today we'll be talking about that, and we got a list of questions that we'll go through. Yes. Yeah. But so first, just to kind of kick it off. Uh, we know that you have multiple years of, of experience with the live, as far as managing your own wealth and just finance in general on yes. the corporate side. Um, so maybe you could tell the audience and really us too mm-hmm. a little bit about uh, your background, where you started, and how you kind of develop your own personal financial knowledge base and just even at the corporate level too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and, you know, I'll go back a little bit. So I, I was originally born in Kingston, Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad was an engineer by trade. So when he graduated from college, he got recruited by the Bahamian government. So we actually, he actually left Jamaica, which is one island, to the Bahamas, which is multiple islands. Mm-hmm. And he was going to go to Nassau, the capital of the Bahamas, which is where the majority of the people live in the Bahamas. Um, there were a lot of other islands like Eleuthera, Long Island, Andros, and Freeport Grand Bahama and such. Mm-hmm. But usually they're smaller communities. They have mainly tourism, in some cases just fishing communities and so on. So Nassau was a capital. That's where all the major government functions reside out of. And so they had a um, what we call Rochester uh, uh, General uh, you know, RGE here. Yeah. In, in, the, in Nassau, it was called... You know, essentially, um, you know, gosh, well, well, oh boy, I'm trying to think now. Essentially, the equivalent of RGE for NASA and BEC, Bombers Electricity Corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, they provided power for the whole island. And so he was going to be one of their junior engineers and eventually became their chief engineer. Um, and so we lived on that island for quite a bit. Uh, he actually lived in Bahamas right up until his death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never transitioned to the United States. Um, because of some of the racial issues he experienced when he started looking for a job here mm-hmm. after we relocated here, and he decided that he just couldn't handle dealing with mm-hmm. being um, being considered not fully human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, that's subject for a whole different show in terms of what, what racism does. Um, but essentially for him, you know, he wanted us to have options when we grew up. And he knew if we stayed in the islands, we'd have to be in the hospital industry mm-hmm. because um, other types of roles just weren't there. And if you got it, you were there until you died. And so therefore there wouldn't be an opening until you died. Right. Right. right? So, but there was always plentiful like hospital, um, hospitality type jobs. So we moved here um, when I was 18 for me. Um, to go to school. Um, so I literally came here with a suitcase and clothes, like the typical immigrant story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I didn't know any of that stuff. I'll be honest with you. I, I learned um, in a very iterative way, you know, by listening to people. Uh, one of my strengths is that I like learning from other people. Mm-hmm. And it's a real strength because to me what it is, it allows you to be able to watch other people's journeys ask questions to understand what helped them to get to where they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you adopt it and then you incorporate your own thoughts, right? Because sometimes you can learn from somebody you don't even really like, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't really adhere to certain principles. Like right. you have someone who's mean-spirited, right. but they're doing something good with mm-hmm. finance. So I can learn from that. Mm-hmm. I don't need to pick up the other stuff, right? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, and so for me, it was sort of a very step-by-step, chapter-by-chapter. But then what I did is as I started mentoring, I started incorporating financial, like sort of like advice along with mentoring around, you know, like um, career development stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, and not every mentorship experience I have is like that because uh, there's some mentors I work with that are, you develop really good friendships with. And so then you get a chance to get into those type of things, right? Mm-hmm. Where mentors that you only see, f- you know, infrequently, but, you know, so you're providing some kind of like, micro couch coaching if you will right yeah. but then you never get into the deeper relationship mm-hmm. and so for me uh, i do have a handful of folks that i actually have that kind of relationship with mm-hmm. and so that's what i'm able to say like here's what i learned but i'm giving you the macro whereas i learned it in the micro right mm-hmm. right and so and, and 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 i'm able to then weave in the sense of where how does your career advancement attach to your life planning mm-hmm. right and and that's so important right because because of the history in our country, we really didn't have a chance to build generational wealth. Right. Yeah. And I remember, I'm not kidding. You kid- mean black and brown people when you say we. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. We. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Because, so I remember, like I didn't, I learned a lot of the things that I learned about racial inequity in the system that created what we have today later in life. Like, because mm-hmm. I, like, I mean, imagine as first year generation immigrant, you come here, if you if you you know taking a psychology class, you know they talk about the massive hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. But when you're down there in the basic, like you know where you're gonna live, uh-huh. and food, insecurity, it, you don't have time for the niceties of like you know, hey, what's going on in the world? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like how did we get here? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you know, you're it, trying it, to make it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. and, and you know, like a funny part of that is I remember one day, like, um, and you know, because we. We, we were, were our sponsor, living with our sponsor, who sponsors, but they sponsored eight other families. Mm-hmm. So, and, and some families didn't leave right away. So I remember at one time we had well over 10 plus people in this like ranch uh, in Henrietta. Um, and, uh, you know, we all got along and, you know, things worked out well. Uh, and, but we, we were able to leave pretty quickly because we put together a plan and, and we we're able to use the money we were normally given to our sponsor to use part of it for rent and part of it for food. So we were able to kind of get a place pretty quickly, mm-hmm. um, and then and so and then we got it on the bus line so we could use it to get to school, um, and then p- till we could afford another car, and then we and we we're kind of building this sort of like working our way up the massive hierarchy yeah. of needs. And I remember one day when uh, we're, we're I'm watching the news on our couch in our uh, uh, our apartment, 
And the news came up and it showed like five degrees, five degrees, you know, two degrees, seven degrees. And I turned to my mom and I said, why, why are we living here? I said, mm-hmm. do, do you realize that that temperature is colder than our fridge? I mean, we could literally take all the food mm-hmm. out of our freezer, mm-hmm. put it on our back porch, and it would be colder than our, our freezer. Mm-hmm. She says, oh, I never thought about that. I'm like, who's like the first human that came here and go like, everybody come. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cool here. <laughs> I mean, cold. Right. <laughs> You know, and so um, so for me, I didn't start thinking about those type of things till I got to that point. Mm-hmm. And so as I went further on in my career, this was probably the first thing that was life changing for me. Um, I remember sitting in a, um, a office, a shared office with, with three other engineers, mm-hmm. and I was the only technician because I my first degree is associate in applied science and electrical engineering technology. So I was like the junior person, like the junior engineer in there. And so I'm sitting in there, and, and I'm hearing these two white guys talk, and one is this guy that was just like me, but like 10 years later. Like, we had the same degree, and, and he was doing more senior engineering type work, and I was doing, you know, junior engineering work. And, um, and I heard him say to the guy, oh, yeah, you know, I just got my, my uh, 401k statement, and, um, and I made more in interest than the money I could put into it. Mm. And I said... And I remember signing some papers when I first joined Kodak. You know, I was there for 18 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. This is early on in my career. And I'm thinking, I remember, like, signing up for it. I don't know what it was. I mm-hmm. just signed up for it, right? Mm-hmm. But no one ever talked to me about that. Mm-hmm. It never came up. Like, none of my, you know, my sponsors were func- on, f- focusing on food, shelter, mm-hmm. you know, get your education, go work hard, you know. Yeah. But no one was talking about financial, like, mm-hmm. future. Right. And so I, 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 afterwards, I said, what do you mean by that? I said, you mean, he said, yeah, he says, uh, my, I got more in interest than I got in the money I could put into the uh, my 401k. Mm-hmm. I said, well, how you do that? He said, oh, well, you know, I just put away as much as I can. He says, when I first started working, he says, every time I got an increase, I'd put it right into, uh, you know, I'd just keep increasing it to where, he says, I can't put in more. Like, there's a limit, mm-hmm. you know, that you can put in your 401k. Um, that's really tied to a federal limit, right? So, yeah. and, and it's because the federal government doesn't want all the money to go into a 401k. They want some in the economy. Right. Yeah. So they put a limit on that. So this guy, when he was er- young, w- would put that limit in every year. And then here's the second thing. He says, when I get the Kodak bonus, I don't accept it. I put it right into my 401k. Mm. I said, oh. He said, because I live all year without it. Why do I need it? He says, people are taking it to buy cars. He says, so now... When I get my interest, it is more than the money I put in. Mm-hmm. He says, I will be a millionaire when I leave this company. This, is a, this, this guy not making a lot of money. I'm, yeah. you know, and I remember I, I left that day, man. I went home. I started playing with my spreadsheet. I said, oh, crap. Yeah. So I called the benefits the next day. I said, I want to put the maximum amount, yeah. and I want my bonus to always. I never got a Kodak bonus in 18 years I lived there. Mm. It all went into my 401k. Mm. And, I, and I'll never forget where I was talking to a friend of mine at 30. And we were just having lunch, and she was like, oh, yeah, you know, I just started putting some money to my 401k. And I said, yeah. I said, I've been, I said boy, you know, let me tell you. I said, the first person I remember giving some advice to, I said, I said, you know, do you take your bonus? She said, oh, yeah. I said, don't take your bonus, man. Like, if you're living your whole life without it, basically echoing what I heard, mm-hmm. right? So she says, what do you mean? So I said, don't take your bonus. Just put it in. And she made more money than me. She mm-hmm. was a higher grade than me. I said, um, I said, and then put it in the maximum, like, you know, because you're single, you ain't got no kids. 
I have no kids, you know, like I, so I, you know, nobody's going to miss it except right. for me. I just got to talk to myself about it in the mirror, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, and, and so, and I remember at the time we both are about the same age and, and she says, well, how much money you put in, how much money you have in there? When I told her how much I had, and she told me how she had, she's like, oh my. And she changed it. Mm-hmm. She went and changed it because I had four to five times more in my 401k than she did at the same age. Mm-hmm. My Lord. So, so, so anybody listening to this podcast right now, if you're, in fact, I do this all the time. Also, I went to, on a business trip, uh, I'll never forget it. And it was the, uh, what's that, that uh, car company that they pick you up to take you to the car? Enterprise? Yeah, Enterprise. Yeah, Enterprise? Yeah, they, yeah, 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 like if you rent a car, they oh, pick yeah, you yeah, up. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of cool. Grab, yeah. So, man, I dropped some science on that young man. He was like, he's, I said, you like working here? He said, oh, it's a good company, man. I said, yeah, it's okay. I said, do they have a foreign game pro- program? Yeah, they got matching. I said, got matching. Said, you know, the matching does not affect your limit. So the federal government say you can put away, say, 13%, and they match up to 13, which they don't. It's like 6%. It's not included. So you put away 13, they put away six. That means you put away 20. Mm. And it's not your money. You get to keep it. Mm-hmm. He's like, really? I said, I said, let me tell you something. I said, I want you to remember this moment. I said, you're 23. You're making 45000 a year. If you do what I just told you, you will be a millionaire by the time you're 60. He says, really? I said, probably sooner. He says, seriously? I said, I said, write my name down so you can remember who told you this. Mm-hmm. I said, but do it. I'll never know if I I'm, see that guy again. But the point is, is that it, there are certain key things you could do when you're young right. yeah, that if you do it, it doesn't affect you mm-hmm. now, but it will it'll give you options later. And right. yeah, so say that. You better say something. No, I'm listening. Uh, you know, no, it's good. No, so, I, so I appreciate that. And that goes to um, like knowledge being able to change people's situations. Like information changes situations. And the information you got from the person who mm-hmm. said, like, I make more interest um, than I did at, when I could actually put in. Like just having that information oh, yeah. and how that shaped. And I, I mean, for you, would you say that you got financial information would you say similar to kevin didn't get a lot of that until later on or any of that oh my gosh so same i'm first generation american and so my parents immigrated here and they from barbados all right from barbados okay and i grew up in brooklyn so the you know public education taught me nothing about financial understanding or wealth my mom did um set us up with like a savings account Mm -hmm. when i was 12 or so Mm -hmm. but there weren't discussions about money and understanding how to earn save and then grow it you know what i mean like i watched my parents work very hard and I watched the stress of trying to raise two girls while trying to make it right. and make ends meet. So by the time I got to college, my focus was always financial freedom yes. because watching that burden wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was just so hard to ask for things I might need or even like figure out how to get certain things without adding more you know, on their plate. Yes. But I didn't know how to get that financial freedom. Mm. The only thing I had was like, if I get my education, maybe that will lead me there. Yeah. And like you, slowly but surely at work, my first time job, people saying stuff. And I'm like, huh? I, yeah. But no one ever taking the time to explain it. So yes. I started at a school and they tell you to sign this and do that. And it wasn't a 401k for me. It was a 403b. Yeah. And I didn't know what that meant. And at some <laughs> point, <laughs> some point, uh, one of my bosses, I love him, but he said, you should be putting in more. I was like, more of what for what? 
what does that mean? He didn't right. fully explain it either, but he signed it up and signed in for me to make sure I put in more so that the company matched more. And he's like, every time you get a raise, make sure you put in more. Yes. I was like, for mm. what? And I asked him multiple times, can we maybe have like some kind of financial breakdown for all the new hires because we're all t early 20s starting and we don't know this stuff. Right. But the assumption I've seen is that they already think like, well, well, you, you know, know this. Well, here's a, here's a reason why that I believe that. This is mm -hmm. just my opinion, is that within the white, um, uh, the majority culture mm -hmm. in the United States, generational wealth has been part of their game plan for yeah, years. Right. So, absolutely. So, so that's what they talk about, right. breakfast yeah. and dinner yeah. and lunch yeah. and vacation. Yeah. Whereas we don't have that opportunity because... Mm -hmm. We're constantly fighting the battle of inequity. Mm -hmm. They don't le leave a lot of room to talk about the future because we're worried about Friday. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so, so to me, this sort of um, culture um, of, of disparity in the United States, mm -hmm. um, it is positioned to, the momentum of it is to really to deprive us of generational wealth. Right. Like that's the momentum. Like you don't have to do anything for that to happen. Yeah. Because you're constantly fighting. Like my, my white counterpart, even, even at this point in my life. And in fact, my CEO and I, uh, CEO and I are really good friends. Mm -hmm. In fact, if I'm ever never worked for this company, he and I are going to still be good friends. Yeah. I could tell that already. Cause he's just a great human being. And I've shared with him from time to time that, that when you look at my resume and you look at LinkedIn, you know, I have a pretty impressive resume. Like, even if I take my name out and go like, man, that's a good resume. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I've been very blessed mm -hmm. with a lot of opportunity. Um, and I've made the best of those opportunities when I was in it. But I have never gotten away from the disparity issues you deal with being a human being in a black and brown body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a, just a different fight. Right. You know, yeah. like when I was on the assembly line as a you know, junior um, engineer, um, when I started in manufacturing before I got into design engineering, um, you know, I, I, people treated me poorly um, uh, because they, they didn't see a full human being in front of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, how is that different than being a senior vice president, director of operations, running four departments that, you know, you know, in terms of total exposure, billions of dollars worth of exposure, where my peers wouldn't have lunch with me? Because mm -hmm. they said, and this is a quote, We've never hired a black person into our executive ranks. So they don't know what to do with you. Mm -hmm. wow. That didn't come from one of my peers. It came from my manager, who we all worked for, mm -hmm. at a national bank. Wow. And so I got to watch those guys have lunch in our little executive lunchroom area, sitting together, my boss with them. I got to watch them. Mm -hmm. How's that different? Mm -hmm. I still felt the same, mm -hmm. like less than. And so, so, so when you have those type of thoughts in your mind, it's very hard to get to. And it's, it's interesting because my wife is, is white and we find ourselves sometimes talking. And I said, I said, do you ever sometimes wish you'd marry a white guy? Mm. And she said, what do you mean by that? I said, because our conversations are different. You realize that? We talk, I come home and I talk about the inequities that I have to experience when I go to the store, do this or that. I said, you know, if you're white, you would get to just like live your best life ever yeah. and never think about yeah. it. Like, our, like right our neighbor. Crisis. I said, yeah. our neighbors, that's what they do. When I yeah. talk about racial disparity, you know what they say? They say, I don't have any time for that. I just, mm. you know, like, yeah, that's, that's cool, right? To have that kind of privilege. So to me, to pull that full circle back to financial mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that 
in order for us to be able to break sort of the momentum and shift the dial mm-hmm. of building generational wealth, mm-hmm. we have to be very intentional about it. Right. And not only what we do, but how we share with each other. Right. Ooh, you, you, yeah, you hit me. Because even, even like f- for me in my own like financial learning, I think about um, how we all have a very similar story. Because I actually, when it came to finance, I was like my learning was through like trial and error and then watching what didn't work. Or in some cases, what did work with family, but it never was explicitly talked about in terms mm-hmm. of other than being fruit. Like, don't spend money. Right. Like, like right. Say, well, it, right. it, it wasn't in terms of like the, some of the strategies and things that you mm-hmm. might think about doing and the why behind it, like you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And 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 I wish I could have I could have gotten it. So my my grandfather actually was like a wizard when it came to finances. So he and he ended up passing early. He might have been I think I was like eighteen, but he had ended up. Uh, he was in the in the Air Force, then came back and like worked for a while at like the Port Authority, I think it was in New York City, mm-hmm. and then went on to own a dry cleaners and some apartment buildings and whatnot. And he was like doing it. He called me the encyclopedia. Like he knew what to do. Mm-hmm. He was put together, but that information never trickled down to like my mom, mm-hmm. right? So and she would talk about that like we didn't like learn the ins and outs of what to do and so when he passed that passed with him right mm. but he had it set up to where my grandmother didn't have to work mm-hmm. after he passed and she's still alive right now you mm-hmm. know that was 2010 you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so and then my father he came from a complete opposite like he was a uh, pretty much parentless dad his dad out and about and his mom was murdered when he was young. So he uh, was surviving. So his understanding of economics was survival in the Maslow. Like yeah. It was survival, mm-hmm. even when he like right now and even when he did get to a point where he could be financially stable, it was still that mindset. Oh, yeah. And so for me, I'm just watching the things not right. happening. So by the time I get into my first role, the because you're in that state of survival, yes. I, I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. So the same same thing people talking about. 401k and right. 403b and I'm just signing papers <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, huh? All right. Sounds good. We're gonna make this happen. But I, I don't really know. And right. then even the things I wish like going through like school and student loan debt, which is crushing people. Right. I'm like, Ooh. they talking about refund checks? Ooh, I I'm remember. Like, oh, cool. I'm gonna take out these I loans. Re- I'm like, oh, I can take out these extra loans and I get three, four thousand uh-huh. dollars back, mm-hmm. not knowing by the time that comes back to you in the form of student debt and the interest on that, mm-hmm. crushing. Right. Right. And, and you're so, just signing away promissory notes and oh, unaware. I'm just doing whatever it might be. And so then, and then the other element, and I think this is where this could be the question you want to get back to you. Um, of how to like manage that mm-hmm. is then when you do get in or start to get into places of like prominence, especially in the black and brown community where um, I was watching this show called Explain and they talk about how the um, the wealth gap, racial wealth gap for uh, black folks in particular, when if we graduate, like we graduate to the same degree, so comparable degree, comparable time, mm-hmm. comparable industry, and then um, similar student loan amount that you'll see that we will take longer to pay it off mm-hmm. and we'll end up not being as, or not have the same level of finances as our white counterparts. And for many reasons, one of those is that typically we don't have the networks that our white counterparts do. Mm-hmm. And so we are like the folks who are helping out the family. It's like, oh, I'm living that in a way right now, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And yes. so it's like navigating that and i know that we had you know talked about some of that too yep. just advice on how do you navigate that especially for 
like a brown folk. Yeah. So I, I tell you something. This, this is, boy, I'm so glad you brought this question up because it, it, it is one of the single most barriers for success. Mm-hmm. Because, and particularly as a first-generation immigrant, you really get this too as well, is mm-hmm. that you, 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 there's a general feeling that it, it is no value in you being successful mm. and your family not being successful. Mm-hmm. Like that don't even come in. Uh, I'll never forget when I graduated, I'll never, most of my, my friends that were American, they go like, oh man, you were going to Kodak, you're going to get your own apartment right now. You can live, you know, because I'm going to go from $0 a week to, yeah. you know, like at the time it was like $411 a week. Yeah. Uh-huh. My first paycheck, because I loved, I, I never forgot that number. Yeah. Um, so don't seem like a lot right now, but back then, the 30 years you're, ago. You're balling. Yeah. You know, it, was, it, was, it was good money, you know. And so I remember, and, and I'll never forget it. She's like, so you're going you're gonna to do that, right? I was like, no. I said, well, why would I do it? I don't want to save some money and buy a house. I, as I went and met with a real estate agent, as soon as I got my first paycheck and said, how do you buy a house in America? Mm-hmm. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, like, how does this work? Like, t- talk to me, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't yeah. even, you know. And yeah. I was like, I want to buy, I want to, and I've always had this dream of building a house. I, I want to build a house, move the whole family into it. That becomes our launch pad, so we'll keep our costs low. Mm-hmm. And everybody takes off from there. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget it. Marty Reagan was her name. God bless the dad. I think she's gone now. And she says, well, you want to build a house and move everybody into it? Um, that's going to cause problems for you. I said, we all live together now. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, so I said, what kind of problems are you talking about? You know, I'll probably have my accent. I'm like, what kind of problem are you talking about, man? <laughs> so my accent was a little heavy back then. <laughs> I said, she says, well, what if you meet a woman and how is she going to like the fact with your family? I said, uh, why would you have a problem with that? I said, <laughs> I said it's my family. They're going to see them anyway. Right. Right. You know, it'd right. be easy for them to see them because they'd be in the same house. Right. They're not going to visit them. They come to me. Yep. She says, well, if you marry an American woman, I don't know if they like that. Mm-hmm. I said, um, oh, why? And I'm like, why? She says, we don't like our families all living in the same house. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, well, let's cross that bridge when you get to it. <laughs> That's real. So, <laughs> and so, so I got to tell you, I'll never forget my friend saying to me, well, well, why wouldn't you want to leave? I said, I was in my room on Friday before I started this job, and I'm in my same room on Monday. Mm-hmm. My room looked the same to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the bed just as comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything. I said, so what, what's the rush? Like, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I don't feel any compelling need to go and sign a lease right. with somebody and rent from someone when I can stay here pitch in to help the family right. buy a house that we own. Right. Yeah. And so I, I spent 18 months saving. I paid myself 25 bucks a week out of 411. And I saved up enough to be able to buy. And by the time I went to buy, my Marty Reagan was really great. She says, Kevin, you should buy a double house. Mm. Move your family in one side, and then you have the other side, because then you'll have a sense of, you know, your own space. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, is, it, is the cost more? She's like, it's actually cheaper. Because the house I was going to build was going to be like maybe eighty thousand. Mm-hmm. I was able to buy a double house in the city for sixty. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so I bought my, my mortgage payment was four sixty one. Yeah. Think mm. about that for a second. Mm. Four sixty one. Blessing. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to move into that house, and so now our whole cost structure. By the time I bought that house, we were paying about seven hundred a, a month for rent. Mm. Um, and we went down to 461 for a mortgage mm. and then all our families in one house mm. nice. and so we start working on my brother-in-law and she got married and I turned his room into an office and I started doing mm. some consulting work um, it basically just l- took what I learned from Kodak and helped small companies mm-hmm. and they would pay me and then what I did is because I didn't know anybody 
I didn't know what it cost to do that work. I came up with my own. I'm like, listen, I said, what are my needs? I want to get a regular paycheck. Nice. That I said, so I'm already working full time. So that's providing all of my needs. So I came up with a, a retainer, which is essentially I learned out later on, is what lawyers do, right? Mm-hmm. So so I took a small company that says, well, we need you to we help us with this and that. I said, well, you know, you pay me uh, 100 bucks a week. I'll do all that stuff for Beautiful. you. Beautiful. Right? Mm-hmm. And then that $100, I really uh, – now, normally, like, I was doing some more work t- to get to that point, but that was my own time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then I have four – at one point, I have four companies I was doing that type of stuff for. I took all that money for that and helped put my sister through college. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So my sister got her degree from Brockport with a major in finance, minor in accounting, uh, didn't know a penny to anybody, mm. right? And 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 you know, by that time she got done graduating, I was like almost dead because I was working eighteen hours a day. Yeah. So, I, so I shut it down. <laughs> I, I didn't. Now, if I was smart, I might have been able to, you know, maybe turn it into a business because mm-hmm. it's a good concept. But, but, but the the thing is, is that at the end of the day, it it was, I was doing things based on need. Mm. Um, I look back at it now, and there's some some method to the madness. That so when I provide that coaching today for somebody uh-huh. i'm giving them the macro yeah. of what i learned in the micro Beautiful. yeah you know and so at the end of the day the biggest thing we can do is to surround ourselves with people who have that knowledge who are willing to share with it mm-hmm. and so what i try to do now is i have a couple of resources in my network that when i'm working with a mentor um i'll say mentee excuse me i'll say here's the person you want to talk to that that's their what they do for a living mm. yeah right so i i know a little bit they know a lot, right? Yeah. you know, and I know enough to tell you that this person, if you talk to them, they will help you to build generation wealth. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and one of the things that's really important, particularly, so the first step I would say, you know, you know, I'm, again, I'm not a CFP, so I need to d- put that disclaimer out there, I'm not mm-hmm. certified financial planner, sorry. Um, so um, if you're a young person, they listen to this podcast, literally when you get done listening, log into your system to work and say, do you have a 401k that you participate in? If you did, if you are, maximize it what is the maximum amount that you can put in and and if you're not sure how that looks then you just put a little bit in you know, up you know change it increase it uh-huh. see what your paycheck looks like because what you'll find is that when you put more money into 401k your taxable uh, income goes down uh-huh. so you actually pay less taxes so if you think you're putting in an extra hundred bucks you're really only putting in an extra 70 right because mm. you're not getting taxed on that right and so 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 mm. if you play around with it but the bottom line is your goal should be get to the point where you're putting away the maximum because what that does, if you have matching funds in your company, you get that free extra money. Right. Yeah. And and so and then once you, that's the first thing to do because to me that's minimum, meaning that you basically take money you're making, putting it away in your four hundred and one k, so it's not taxed, and then you're able to then work with the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next thing would be around your um, debt. If you have like four or five credit cards, what you do is you take a look at all of them because that can happen over time, yeah. right? Take all of those five cards and you say, okay, if make the minimum payment on all of them. Make a decision not to use credit anymore if you can. Or if you do, pick one card, the card that has the highest balance. Uh-huh. Um, and hopefully that has the best interest rate, but the highest balance. So to say, all of my other cards, I'm going to pay minimum on everything. Um, and then if I need to use credit, which I'm going to try not to, only use that one with the highest. And the reason you're doing that is because you don't want to get too close to the limit. Uh-huh. Right. And then what you're doing is that once you're done with your budget, you say, okay, I paid the rent, I paid everything else, I'm paying minimum on all the cards, and then I have extra money left over, you put it on the, the card that has the lowest balance. Uh-huh. Mm. And then when you pay that off, 
you take that amount you're putting in that that card plus the payment for that card mm-hmm. and you throw it on that next card mm-hmm. that has the next highest lowest right. balance and then you just keep doing that till they're all gone and then yeah. leave yourself with just two cards right yeah. one and, and the reason i say that two different um just because if you're if you're on a vacation you're somewhere and something happens and a card's compromised you got to back up mm-hmm. so Smart. but but the general thing is you want to keep them both at zero if you can mm-hmm. um, and so then you have the credit available so that if you need it in a jam or something bad happens but to try to operate with no credit card debt yeah and and then you know and then when you're ready to buy a house you can you have money to put down you buy a house you have a mortgage payment. And 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 their car payment. If you if you need to have a car payment, just make sure you get a car that you can keep for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So that after you buy it, you reach a point where it's paid off for, and then you float for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like the car I drive today is twelve years old. I had a car payment, but I paid it off four or five years ago, and I have no car payment. But at some point, I'll have a car payment mm-hmm. when I'm ready to have it. But you have this period of you buy it, enjoy your car, and uh-huh. you drive into work in every day. And then you have a period with no car payment. Then what you do is that what you used to pay in a car payment it's goes into you, it goes into your yeah. s- savings account yeah. because that's the money you're going to take to buy the next car. Yeah. Smart. Yes. That, I, I think that snowball effect in this. Like you, you, yeah. like it's a snowball. I think somebody categorized that at once. Like you yes. take that. Okay. Yes. You that's got good. It. So yeah. it's a pretty common. Uh, that's not a Kevin thing. That's actually. <laughs> I, in fact, uh, David Ramsey's the one I heard it yeah, from like twenty yeah. years ago. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's good. No, thank you. But it's. It, Common, but for folks who don't know, this right. would be first info. So thank you for that. Right. And I did, uh, but first, you got questions and thoughts before I get to these? I mean, that was way earlier. Just about how do you think gender plays a role in this? Because from what I've noticed, the expectation is not necessarily for women to yes. always do these things. And you're almost yes. like expected to marry mm-hmm. or find some man and attach to him. And then he handles all this. I am things. so glad you said that because remember when I mentioned that the conversation they had mm-hmm. with... Uh, my friend. Yes. All right. So I remember back then we were talking. She said, "Well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm probably gonna get married to somebody who's doing this stuff, and, and it's gonna happen." I said, "I said, can I offer a thought on that?" I said, "You know, she." I said, "I said, you know, the reason why I actually I work so hard to make sure my sister finished her education." I said, because there was a point where she was not going to be able to do it financially. Mm-hmm. And I am her brother. I'm not her dad. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I don't want that to be a barrier for you. I said, I want you to be able to have your own degree mm-hmm. so you can have your own career so you can save and do everything you need to do. I said, because if you don't get married, what are you going to do? Right. And if you get married, what, who's to say you can get married to somebody who's financially as due? Mm-hmm. They may have issues. Right. You may love them, but they may have issues. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that you got that covered either way. Now, here's some irony. The person that I had given that advice to that ended up changing it, to this day, they never got married, and they're doing well financially. Wow. Like super well mm-hmm. to the point where they have like real estate holdings mm-hmm. and stuff that they, they took the money from that, yeah, so and they now have real estate right. holding multiple mm-hmm. properties and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so, th- so I think Beautiful. it's really important for women to say, at the end of the day, it's a, a responsibility. So here's the nice thing is you can't lose, right? Because right. you happen to marry a brother that's doing the same thing, then you're going to be good you know yeah. you both get yeah. your stuff yeah, right. point. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, the whole family and, 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 and i would say you know like when you're in the dating stage it's okay to ask them so <laughs> but i won't sound like a comedian here for a minute like you know like you know what so what what's, what's your credit score look like hey for real yeah. listen that's question. the question the credit score how much uh, what's the debt ratio that you got going on i know i know and i, I and i'm not saying it's you know it's okay to love somebody that got some financial issues because because right. their journey may have put them yeah. there 
but but I think it is important that before you get married, you talk yeah. about that. So like, yeah. so when you go through that sort of dating stage, you know, um, you know, you, you want to get to know each other to say, well, how are things going, you know, financially for you? You know, you don't have to mm-hmm. give them the the whole store, but to say, you know, you know, because for example, why that's important. Because when you get married, you may decide who's going to handle what. Right. Mm. So you do not want your partner handling mm. your finances if they don't know how to do it. Mm. And there's Great no point. shame in saying, I don't know how. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's okay to, to, you know, so I'm not suggesting you don't marry something like, oh, I love you, but, you know, you got a 235 credit score. That's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, no. I don't mean that. I, you know, I, I'm. You're saying uh, a partnership. It's know a partnership the, to yeah. say, well, how'd you get there? Now, if it's like, hey, life circumstances, mm-hmm. medical expenses, you yeah. name it. Or they may say, ah, it's just not my thing. I'm like, well, you know, it's mine. So how about this part of our agreement when we get married? You know, like there's certain things you do, I do. And so we will have like, you know, our, you know, monthly meetings as a family to mm-hmm. talk about finances, yeah. mm-hmm. to see like, how are we doing? How are we not doing? Um, but have the person who has a strength in that area to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and if they don't, then you find someone outside the family to help you with that. Right. So that's where you're getting like an accountant that, that you can work with that will help you to sort of like keep you on task. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, or, you know, you can look for companies that can help you with that, you know. And that's, that's good. And yeah, so this is, this is great. So I'm just going, mm-hmm. a few points that I want to bring up to say, hey, here's some gems that we got for us to yep. do. Is like oh, oh, by the way, you don't want me to mention something too, by the way, this will help you, by the way. So if we feel like we have more to talk about than one podcast, you could have like a series where we talk about this stuff. Yeah, I was about to say, we might yeah. do Oh, you're coming back. Yeah, yeah. I would love to. <laughs> we might do yeah. this next yeah, episode. Yeah, because you know what? Yeah. As I'm talking to you, I got yeah. like stuff that's queuing up. I'm going like, uh, don't say that. Do we have enough time? Have yeah, enough time. nah, we can, we so, can run this back. This I'm gonna here be, for all of it. Yeah, we're going to need yeah. this. It's class, y'all. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, thank you. This is like free game right here. Thank yeah. you. We appreciate you. We deeply appreciate you. So, uh, yeah, so this is what I heard just to, and more questions, but I just want to summarize what we heard so far for the folks to take the gems with them. So, uh, put that bonus and the increases into that 401k. Well, first, know what a 401k means. And it's like, we yep. got a 403b or what you have, mm-hmm. see what they match in, understand all of that. Right. And then as you get increases, put that away so they can set you up for the future. Mm-hmm. Definitely yes. got that. Um, and then, uh, I really liked, and maybe you can help me know if this is what you were saying. Um, but you would recommend having a certified financial planner, someone who does absolutely. this for a living. Absolutely. Gotcha. And, and, and why that's important is that that's how you, ge- you put together a plan for generational wealth. Yeah. Right. right. Because that person is kind of your financial coach mm-hmm. yeah. that, that, that no matter where, and this is really important because most of us here today that are listening to this podcasts are going to be working for different companies over the course of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so some people say, well, I'm not going to start up a 401k cause we may not be here that long. You still do it. Why? Yeah. Cause guess what? When you leave, you then take that 401k and you move it. In. So your financial planner has access to resources. So for example, to say you're going to open up an IRA with mm-hmm. them so that therefore the minute you move from your first company, you um, work with them to roll over all those funds into your IRA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you move to your next company, you do it again. And so you may have worked for five companies, but guess what? All that money in their 401ks are in your IRA. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you're essentially consolidating your retirement yeah. plan. And then, and then you're able to meet with your, like you're, you know, meeting with a finan- In fact, I just got my message from mine last week that says, hey, Kev, it's time for us to meet. We meet once a quarter. Yeah. And we'll go over what's been happening, you know, in the stock market, you know, and, and with mutual funds and stuff like that. And so, you know, and, and you, you get to know them and they get to know you. And yeah. so for me, I'm okay with being a little bit sort of, you know, mild risk, you know, I'm 58 now, so I don't want to be too risky, but I also know that the stock market continues to go up over time. So Mm -hmm. mutual funds, you know, may be where you put certain things that are safe, 
So mm-hmm. I want to have enough cash available that when we see like everybody's crying, oh my gosh, it's down. I'm like, I said, go, go move over, you know, mm-hmm. get some, yeah. and then then wait, and you ride it on up, mm-hmm. yeah, cash out, back in the cash, wait. Yeah. So you have a small portion of your portfolio you do that with, and that helps you to hedge against periods where there's low interest rate mm-hmm. growth over time. Mm-hmm. But you know, you get creative like that when you have a CFP that's helping you with that. Yeah. You know, and so that and they help you to put together a plan and then at some point you start talking to them about what happens when you die. Mm-hmm. What happens to the next generation. If you never have kids, uh-huh. that's okay. You may just decide like, hey, you know, you could put something into like a foundation yeah. that continues in a trust after you're gone so that right. you continue to create change in things that you want change in. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or siblings or family and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do that. So, something like that. Um, yes, and like take all those notes. Cause you know. Yeah, because yeah. I, and, and it's on a podcast. Yeah. You got it. So uh, to me, it's to me, one of the unique challenges we have, um, particularly as marginalized groups, is that we are have many relatives that have needs. You know, yeah. my, my white counterparts, um, they don't talk about their family problem. Like, you know, they go like, oh, who are you helping your family? Like, who are you helping what? You know, <laughs> and I'm not being, you know, wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical, but right. I'm saying that within the white culture, because everybody has their own stuff. Yeah. I mean, and the, the, the evidence is compelling, right? Yeah. White families have, you know, something like 200,000 in terms of, like, family equity compared to 12,000 yes. black people. So, therefore, they don't need to help each other out as much. Now, mm-hmm. they got some poor cousins and yeah. poor relatives, but they, they pray for them, right? Yeah. You know, whereas we don't just pray. We give them money. Yes. <laughs> we right? pray for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't just yeah. give them thoughts and prayers. Yeah. We give them thoughts and yeah. prayers and, and $100. Yes, yeah. yes. You know, and so therefore, you know, I would have more money today yeah. if I had taken that approach. Mm-hmm. But because moralistically, mm-hmm. as a human being, I can't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, I made a conscious decision early on in my 20s and 30s and 40s mm-hmm. um, that I would much prefer to help people that are in need than my yeah. family that are close to me that didn't have some of the same benefits or had some medical issues that right. affected them. And, and I'm okay with that. Cause you know what, you know, you, how much is enough? Right. So, yeah. so I've made a conscious decision that I would prefer to have less money when I'm in my retirement, if I could help out families that are there. So we'll never mm-hmm. not have that, at least for us, mm-hmm. maybe for the next generation will yeah. be a little bit better. But I just think if I'm going to live, I'd prefer to live that way than to where I have some of my, you know, white counterparts that, you know, they don't have to worry about that because they don't have family members that need as much. Yeah, and just to back this up, because, you know, sometimes people refute that, and they'll, they'll personalize what right, you just said right. and say, well, I had to just get the stats. Based on the Federal Reserve, this is the, the bank coming forward, letting them know, that uh, um, 60% of black households hold less than $49,000 in wealth compared to only 28% mm-hmm. of white households. And so what you're saying is an anecdotal. This is proven. Mm-hmm. The yeah. data is there. Oh, And yes. so when you, when, you, when you, like you said, when you're in a space where you don't have to pay for them, but you can just pray for them. That's a different level of conversation yeah. yes. than what's going on all the time. Well, yes. they're, they're not affecting their plan. Right. Mm, they don't have to be yeah. factored into they, the plan. Oh, I, I've had to, there have been times mm. over the years where I've had to take Amen. a decent money out of my own plan, my family plan, for me and my family, mm-hmm. to help someone that I knew that needed it, and if they didn't, they wouldn't have been helped. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, sitting now with my wife and talking through that, at first, in the beginning, when we first got married, she wasn't used to that. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know, and I made it really clear before I even proposed. I said to her, I said, I want you to know, as a first generation immigrant, this is your time to walk away from me. I said because I said we came to this country with nothing. Mm-hmm. My mom, even though she's working, you know, she's working pretty low wage job. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a four hundred one k. 
she doesn't have, um, you know, a lot coming from Social Security. Mm. I said, and I will not allow her to live in poverty mm-hmm. when mm. I'm not. I said, so two choices. Um, and, and there's a third, but the two choices is either I buy a house that big enough that we all live in it. Yeah. I buy two houses in the same neighborhood. Yeah. So it's easy for her to see us and us to see them. Or the third option is we, we just stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't go any further as a couple because I love you, but I, I will not. I can't have a partner that doesn't support me being with my family, right, supporting right. my family. Oh, so that's you talking my language. Yes, we are, we over here we over here getting fired up because these conversations. We just thank you. Listen, we got to do this a series. By <laughs> oh, no worries, no worries, no worries. <laughs> and I got a couple more questions, but I, did you want to add to what? You? Yeah. I, so so she said yes. She said I love your mom, and I just prefer us to have one house. Mm. So that's twenty. You know, we've been married for twenty years, wow. and we had this conversation. What you know, you're twenty three. You know, hey. and and so um and so that's what we did, and mm. so. So um, it, it, it allowed me. So it, it, it so think about what that meant, though, right? Right. Yeah. I'm 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 single. I had a house that I bought for sixty thousand. Yeah. Um, that that had a mortgage payment that was less than you know what my car payment was like mm-hmm. years later. Um, and then when in order to sort of buy that house to accommodate, making sure my wife was comfortable with it, I ended up going from that house to a house that was more expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So wow. therefore, my costs were more in yes. my 20s and, mm-hmm. and really yes. more in my 30s than it needed to be yeah. because I wanted to make sure my mom always had her needs met right. and felt comfortable. And it was a way to say thank you for yeah. coming to a new country yeah. and, 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 and knowing after we got here, her husband was not going to come yeah. and decide to stay with us instead yeah. of going back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so I probably have less money today because of um, being able to do that, but I'm okay with that. Right. Because yeah. that was a life decision. Yeah. It's the, the, mm. the, the social, the social context of that, where I, I remember I was talking to somebody and saying how a lot of the, me growing up, a lot of the black boys in our neighborhood, like they had, there were like three dreams that I like can map out that we all have. And one of them was, I want to buy a house for my mom. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think about that and like the reason why, when I kind of unpack that, it's because a lot of us were in situations where we saw the struggle yes. and we saw how much had to be done right. in order to get where you were. And people might look at it who maybe don't have that same struggle to say, like, why would you factor that into your, plan. your plans or whatnot? It's like, you don't understand. It doesn't even feel like something I'm choosing to do is a must. Right. Yes. Like, there's no other alternative. Yes. And based on what I'm doing, for two reasons. One, what you saw folks go through at the time and this allegiance to my family, because I'm navigating that now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So where it's like, I can't. And then secondly... If not you, then who? Ooh, right. Yes. It's like who would do that? Right. And, and yeah, like that, and that um, burden of that weight that you almost carry mm-hmm. that is amplified in the black and brown community. Like us talking about that is it's just so hard to navigate. Because even this other stat, like this, is fascinating to me. In 2019, the median white household held 188 thousand dollars in wealth. Yes. The median white household. Ask that's seven point eight times that of the typical black household, which is around twenty four thousand. Yes, mm-hmm. and yeah. so if you think about that, if you make it out, it's not just. I even think about me in, my, in a way, right? It's my family. It's people who I call family, yes. friends. Yes, it's like that becomes this thing that you have to implement into your plan. I never framed it that way, yeah. the way you did. Right, but that was so powerful for me. It's like. It's a part of your plan. Yeah. Yes. It's, it, go ahead. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I would say when you sit down with a certified financial planner, yeah. those are the things you talk about mm. to say, I, I, I want to plan for me, 
but also I want to plan for how I help the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and it could be in short ways, long ways. So for example, if you know that you'll be able to, you know, like your 401k is kind of like table stakes, right? Right. Right. You know, bonus, if you get one table stakes, you know, moving over to IRA table stakes, yeah. but then you're going to reach a point career wise where you're making more money yeah. than you can put in that 401k. Right. And you can certainly put someone in like a, a Roth IRA, which is, you know, tax going in, but then non-tax going out. Yeah. But, but you also want to do other things to say, well, you know, what can I do to use my position and agency and power from a financial perspective to yeah. help the family move them forward? Right. Right? And so, uh, so there are some family members you help in ways that you may not give them money directly, mm-hmm. but you can help them. Like, so and I'll give you a small example. Um, so y- you could have a relative that may be struggling, you know, has a job likes a job, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't make enough money to maybe afford like a reliable car, yeah. right? And so, and so what you can do with them, say, okay, well, if they're able to, you know, you work with this, okay, what can you afford? And this, this would, they'd have to allow you to help them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. To say, okay, well, I'd like you, first of all, you want to make sure they have good housing and a car to get them to a reliable job, right? And so if you feel like you have the headroom to do this, you could say, like in one example, I had a, a relative that I helped, um, uh, a distant relative that I helped with with this, where they had a job, and I was able to, pr- you know, over time see that they were consistent in going to that job. Um, and so that, you know, they had the discipline and they had the follow-through. So there wasn't a work ethic issue, mm-hmm. right? But the job didn't pay much because mm-hmm. of the situation that they're in. They were, you know, they, they were, it was limited in terms of what they could make. So, so what I did was say, okay, well, but the problem is they were spending like five hours to get on the bus every day to get to that eight hour job. Mm. Five hours. Mm. You know, some of it's like waiting and, you know, connections and so on. So what I discovered is that, well, boy, if I can get them a car that's reliable, it'd take them 20 minutes to get to work. Right. Mm-hmm. What would that do to their quality of life? Mm-hmm. Right. So then I made a decision to say, okay, well, if you would allow me to, I'll work with you. Let's go and sit down to say, what would it take you to lease a car? Yeah. Right. Because payments are lower. It's back then it was lo- they're lower. And what can you afford? And then they were like, well, you know. And they're like, okay, this. And I said, and and, and they and at that time they could afford uh, a third uh, to half of the payment. Mm-hmm. I said, I will subsidize the other half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I said, and then I didn't give them the money directly. I I signed up and you know and sent up you know an automatic payment from my bank. Nice to go to their account mm-hmm. at, at that deal, you know, that sort of, you know, uh, place. And I did it before they were billed. Because, mm-hmm. and, and the reason why this is important, because the way leases work, lease is basically like a rent payment. Yeah. So if you had a one-year lease at $100 a month, and then you start out and you put in $1,200, you would get a statement every month that says zero. Mm-hmm. So if you put in $50 a month, before you get billed, you get a statement that says $50 a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why I picked that vehicle, because that means that I can, with a leased car, prepay their lease mm-hmm. before they're billed. So when they got a bill, they saw an actual bill that they could afford. Right. Mm-hmm. And did that for the whole three years. And then before they were done, we sat down and said, okay, well, what is residual to buy that car? It was X. What would it cost if you were to buy that same car again? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was actually more expensive to buy an existing car in the lot because the residual was lower. Mm. I then work with them to say, okay, well, now take out a six-year loan to pay off that 
your payment was the same. Uh-huh. And then now you don't need that, assistant, that mm-hmm. residual. So they now own the car. Nice. Yeah. Right? So it was a very specific way. Yeah. Um, another way, and these are creative ways, right? These, these are actual examples. Uh-huh. I had another relative that was in not the best of areas um, and was paying higher rent because, and that's a whole different show we should talk about around what management companies do where you can have no more than 35% of your income in the suburbs, but you can have as much as 60% of your income go towards rent. Mm. It allows them to, because they know you're trapped because mm. you can't go to the suburbs. So then on their application, they can charge you $900 a month for an apartment studio that would only be probably 750 or less. Wait, explain that again. What can happen? So, um, so in other words, mm. um, applications for rental apartments, yeah. if you go to rent in the suburbs today, same management company, would say that, you know, when you fill it out, your rent can't be more than 35% of your income. Mm-hmm. That's an indirect saying, way of saying, you need to be making over 60000 Exactly, yeah. Right? And uh, what they're doing is they're using income oh. to create a, a barrier. Exclusion. That, that exclusion. And so uh, who's disproportionately affected by right. lower income? So this income? is white's white only without white's only. Oh, uh, most mo- a lot of rental companies are doing this, wow. right? So, right. Um, all right. So the opposite, same wow. company have properties in the city mm-hmm. that will allow up to 60%. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and what that does is that allows them to, first of all, you can't go there, yeah. and you're going to be here. That allows me to charge you more for right. it. Right. So so I had this, this again, this relative wow. that was paying, you know, um, almost $1,000 a month for, I like, an apartment in the city mm-hmm. that was not being taken care of. or I mean, because mm-hmm. another thing, they don't take care of oh, it. Right, right, right. Because right. they got an, a trapped audience. It's no different than what happened back in, in, in the day, right? Redlining mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So I discovered that person could move to the suburbs and, and pay almost $300 less per month um, t- for a, a, a two-bedroom instead of a studio wow. in a bad neighborhood that mm. was not just well taken care of, yeah. but, but also, um, um, you know, it also had more amenities, right? Mm-hmm. Two-bedroom, nice neighborhood, uh, had a carport, all that good stuff. And so in that case there, what I did was I said, okay, once we demonstrated that, okay, you know, you could live here, you know, so if we eliminate some of your bills, so you, your, your you know, income's available to be able to, because you're doing it today, mm-hmm. so it's actually going to go down, then I then found a way to subsidize that transfer. I actually paid for their move. Yeah. You know, um, Filled out all the, got furniture. I mean, they didn't have any furniture, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was able to then invest into saying, okay, I took them shopping and got them a whole household full of furniture. Um, and then now they're in a nice, you know, two-bedroom apartment in mm-hmm. a nice area. And, and it's limited, right? So, therefore, you're finding creative ways to help that changes their situation improves quality of life mm-hmm. and now they're in a better position i mean mm-hmm. it doesn't solve everything right because down the road that person may not be able to afford um in retirement like their retirement is going to be different but what am i doing i'm already planning for that i already mm-hmm. i sat there with my wife i said listen i want you to know when we retire i i, I want to help this person. i'm not sure how yet mm-hmm. but i want to make sure that they I, I can't enjoy us enjoy quality of life with them not having it even right. though they certainly have their responsibility but I want to mitigate certain basic issues where mm. I don't want them to ever be in a non-homeless is homeless situation. I don't want them to be in an un, you know, lower quality of life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm already coming up with ideas. I'm going to be working on how to help them. Mm-hmm. And so that was my way of saying in my financial plan, it doesn't mean it would exclude people that need help long term. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes absolutely. Perfect sense, especially since I think 
how you found similarity in wanting to like buy a home for your mom or like take care of your family. Yeah. That wasn't a thing for me ever growing up. And I think me being in a position of the youngest, but also being a woman. Yeah, I was just about to say. My, <laughs> my dad yeah. is not taking, I was blessed to have my dad in my life growing up all the time. And so even now he's not taking money from me. He will, he will never, it's mm-hmm. not a thing. I have tried to help in any way mm-hmm. I can. And he's like, money, no, I'm fine. You know, I, mm-hmm. even if he ain't fine, I will never know. <laughs> so, I mean, if he could pay my phone bill or anything now he would, but I won't allow him. My goal was to not be a burden on them. Oh. But hearing everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, because now as they're much older, my goal will be to make things easier for their retirement, like Mm. give the education and any sort of guidance and ways of setting them up. So it's not something they have to struggle with long term anymore is what I'm working on. So I'm like, thank you, because I'll be sometimes I feel like, am I not helping my family like I need to? But it's like, all right, there are many other ways. There's so many creative ways. I and I Mm -hmm. always look for ways that. That are well, you know. My principles are simple. I want you know high, highest possible quality of life, mm-hmm. um, less stress so they can enjoy life, right? Um, and then you know, and so that they're not you know burdened by financial like stress. I like, to me that's that's a big biggie for me. Like mm-hmm. my mom worried about that when we first came to the states, and once I discovered that, you know, I just I made sure that you know like her currency, uh, you know, her sort of love language was helping, mm-hmm. and so for her it was important to that if my brother uh needed help um in any way shape or form that she could give him some money and that was important to her mm-hmm. so so what i did mm-hmm. is when i set up her budget she had zero debt i mean she 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 worked as a nursing assistant at, nur- at uh, st john's nursing home for 20 years okay. um I retired at 70 didn't make a lot of money but you wouldn't know that mm. because she had no bills you know because mm. she always lived with us so mm-hmm. never had to pay for anything and she never got into credit card debt um, she had a decent amount of money saved in the bank, so that my brother ever needed something, God bless to that. He's passed now. Um, he was able to; she was able to help him out, or my sister needed something, and and didn't have to. And I, I, I would manage it a little bit. Like I said, all right, you know, I said, you know, you got to be a little bit thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, like spread it out a little bit, you know. And so, you know, but but it was it was really important to her, and so yeah. she died happy because mm-hmm. she never had worries like that. Mm-hmm. And and she also felt like she could help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And I want to. Um, so something I want to. Two things I want to do. We're getting close to coming up on time. So what I want to do with this is like a speed round of questions. Is like sure. But before that, something you pointed out that was a mind blower to me that we definitely should come back to is, and I never equated the two. But I was reading this book that talked about um, kind of what I just said is how systemic racism just trickled into like systemic poverty and Mm -hmm. all the different things like housing and how that folks have created kind of like uh the equivalent to whites only without actually saying it and you see a drip of folks get through that like a slow leak faucet Mm -hmm. but it's still it's not a full flow right uh, of black and brown folks being able to be in city spaces and what you just defined that we definitely should do another episode about with the 35 percent it has to be, you can only spend up to 35% of your income to live here in the suburbs. But yes. if you go into, uh, let's say, a city, for example, that's not the case, and who that disproportionately affects. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and so with that was like right above moment. So I definitely want to come back to that. And maybe. In fact, that last part there is the reason why um, disproportionate white families and, and um, or people that are not affected by that, right? Because there's some, there's some minorities that their income is pretty close to whites, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you know, um, there, uh, there are certain 
demographic groups yeah. that are not affected by this issue we're talking about, black and brown, yeah. specific, right? Yeah. So what that tells you with that 35%, that means they have more money available to invest, to right. save, to buy a house. Uh -huh. right. And so it perpetuates this momentum of inequity yeah. while the opposite is perpetuating the inequity. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Yep. Okay. So quick things I just want to run through that all popped up. So would you say, you mentioned a Roth IRA or IRA because I think it's a certain income level for a Roth IRA that yeah. you ha hit, but would you recommend folks get something like that? Yeah, so Roth IRAs, anybody can really get in a Roth IRA. And all a Roth IRA is is simply is the Roth, like connected with the IRAs, that an IRA is something, the only money can go into an IRA typically yeah. is coming out of a 401k or 413. Gotcha. So money that you put into a vehicle that went in before it was taxed, yep. that's pre-taxed, yep. can only go into typically an IRA. I mean, you could, but then you'd have to pay tax. You would, you can then say, I want to transfer the money from my 401k or 403 yep. into this IRA. Yep. Uh, a Roth IRA is that I write a check right now and give it to my financial planner to put into my Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. So you've already paid tax on that money. Mm -hmm. And the benefit of a Roth IRA is that when you go to take the money out when you retire, you don't pay tax on it. Is there a... I thought there was an income limit to that, but there's not income limit. And again, yeah, I'm going to probably qualify this because I'm, you know, not being a CFP. But uh, the best of my understanding, anybody can get an Roth. Gotcha. There's usually okay. like a certain amount that you can yeah. put in. Oh, like you're limited to how okay. much you can put into a yeah. Roth IRA. Yeah. Um, but I don't believe anybody can't have one. So there's now the, where well, there may be like a minimum you can put in, but I know there's a maximum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I would say a CFPP is your best person to ask for. But the Roth IRA. What I can speak to is the fact that it's money you can write a check in today yep. and put a deposit in. And because it's been pre-taxed, the government doesn't tax it when you take it out, so which means that you put in $100 today and it gets, you know, I put in 100000 and it grows 3% a year until, yeah. you know, I retire. When yeah. I go to take it out, I pay no taxes on it. Gotcha. So some people prefer Roth IRAs yeah. because you don't know your tax position in the future and it doesn't matter because you don't pay taxes on it. You don't pay taxes on it. You know, I, okay. yeah, I do, I, I'm not from that school of thought. I think what you do is you maximize the pre-tax, right? So you, you, your Roth IRA of 403B, um, and then if you have extra money, then you can put it into a Roth IRA because you're not getting any taxes on that money. So you get the maximum amount you can put away. It also lowers your taxable position today. Yeah. And if you, have, if you make a lot of money, then you can open up an IRA and do some crazy stuff. Okay, good. So mm -hmm. last question because I know we got to – Come back for part two. I think we can we just claim it together. This is gonna be a part two of oh, this. Oh, absolutely. Okay, all right, yes. good. So, uh, so thank you. This is gems. No problem. Uh, yeah, jewels all over the place. I see him. <laughs> um, is you mentioned that uh, the housing strategy where you had, I want to buy a house, have my family in it, so we all can have this launching pad. Yes. For folks who might uh, who might have that position, who might be single with no kids and can think about doing something like that or yeah. whatever it is, mm. would you recommend thinking about something? So, like that so boy, so no one has ever asked me that question because. The, the reason why, like when I decided to do that, it was because, you know, again, coming from that place of scarcity, yeah. you know, there's a couple of ways to do it. Everybody go to, on their own and go do stuff, right? right you you right, get right. less accomplished. Yep. Whereas the way by creating this base, it, but you have to have the family relationship to do that, mm -hmm. right? right. Mm -hmm. So my agent was right. A, a multifamily home was better mm -hmm. because it allowed me to be able to where, you know, um, even though I had a good relationship with my mom and my sister, it also created some separation. Yeah. So I would say if you were able to get a couple of key people in the family mm -hmm. yeah. and say, let's just buy a multifamily home mm -hmm. so that we all help each other out. Yeah. It's a good strategy to create. A, and then what you do is then people can either just stay there 
and pay it off and live for free right. yeah. if it works. Yeah. Or if you say, hey, you know, um, you know, I've outgrown it, you know, but I'm okay now. So then they can then turn around and then as your family kind of create that sort of consortium, mm-hmm. they can rent that out. So then that income goes in mm-hmm. and, and they you know, can do it a couple of ways. You say, hey, if you can rent out your place after you leave, you keep the rental income. Or do you want to put it in a pot and then everybody shares in it? I mean, that's something you can work out. But you can get a lawyer and you can do something like that. Okay. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no reason why you can't do that. And so right now there's a lot of homes in the city that are very inexpensive. Uh-huh. So you could, instead of, you know, for example, you take that person who is working, uh, um, paying 900 to $1,000 a month for a studio. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You take three people with three studios, you could literally buy a three-family. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You yeah. buy a three family because it ain't going to be 3000 a month. I can tell you that. Yeah. So you go from a studio to having a nice two-bedroom apartment, and you get a house, and then with, with, with some of the benefits you have in the city, you could fix up the house, you could uh-huh. do a bunch of stuff, mm. and you get away from that sort of that rental sort of yeah. Uh, trap. Yeah, he's like getting out of that, that race to where it just keeps right. you. Nice. Oh, yep. look. Uh-huh. Okay, listen. Dang. <laughs> so, yeah, all right, so you well, you brought it up. So you'll be back for another one? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and then, I, and I, I will say, too, as well, that you know, again, I'm not a certified financial planner. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, you're like, man, I don't know if I agree with that. That's okay. Yeah. So then yeah, yeah, get yeah. a hold of Herb and, and, and Mo <laughs> and just say, I'd like to come on and drop some, like, science yeah. around the other stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I, this is just my personal journey, yeah. what I learned from other people. Yeah. And I'm sure there's some things that I probably could have done better. But for me, it's, uh, you know, the more you share this information, right. it can you. percolate, you know. And, and I always like to steer people back to the professionals because mm-hmm. yeah. that's, you know. So to me, at some point, if in your, if you, by the time you hit 30 and yeah. by the time you hit 35, you should have a CFP that's mm-hmm. helping you to build and grow with you yeah. your financial plan. And then secondly, to have an accountant that helps you yeah. do your taxes. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're not trying to do it yourself. And then having an attorney that helps you with estate planning. Yeah. And, and doing that before you have um, you know, family is really important because then you can grow with them when you do. And then I'll mention this last thing here because it's super important. Long-term care insurance, mm-hmm. right? Um, I didn't know anything about it, but when I was at Kodak, they offered it. And mm-hmm. I remember signing up for it. And then when I got married, I signed my wife up for it. Mm-hmm. I still have the same policy. I, I've left a company in 2006, wow. but I was able to maintain it. Um, it. Today, you can't even buy that policy anymore. They don't mm-hmm. offer it, right? Yeah. But what that does is just make sure that when the time you get to the point where you need nursing care, mm-hmm. or skilled nursing, or even assisted living, you have it prepaid for. Mm-hmm. The policies today, uh, you know, you can you know find out, shop around. But I mention that because... My father-in-law right now is going to be getting ready to for us to put him in some assisted living or skilled nursing. When I look at the cost for those things, oh, yeah. it could literally destroy your actual plan. Wow. Mm. Right? It could dis- and So, therefore, you could spend your whole life living. But one of the facilities we looked at is 11000 a month. Imagine that. Mm. I mean, so we basically, and, and then the papers that you have to fill out, if you have any assets, they're gone by the time you die. So it means if you did all this financial planning stuff and it turns out you have nothing to turn over to your family, unless you put it a trust, and there's some creative things. So if you're an attorney listening to this, I'm like, oh, if you do estate planning, you can avoid that. So they can't really access yeah. your estate. Yeah. But, you know, I believe that's something to explore. Long-term is long-term care. Yes. It, you know, it's very, and by the way, when you're younger and it's inexpensive, so you imagine this, I'm 58 
and my policy for me is 80 bucks 70 bucks a month mm -hmm. for my wife is 50 and she's five years younger mm. that's not a lot of money yeah but it would allow me to be in a nursing home today if i something happened to me today yeah at full coverage wow and it might mine's actually for lifetime but you know they usually do it for five years now or three years wow. but the point is if you're young buying that sort of thing early some would argue that, well, boy, what if you never use it? You know, you know what? That's why it's called insurance. Right. Mm -hmm. you, <laughs> you, hope know, you hope you're going to use it. But, but at least if you make it inexpensive, right. then yeah, why yeah, not? Yeah. So not anyway, good. sorry, yeah. I stopped there. I just thought I'd throw that no, out. No, that was, that right there was a gem. I'm about to call my dad and mom right now. Like, listen, I ain't trying to have to pay for y'all. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, that was good, though. Oh, oh by the way, <laughs> so that's something you could subsidize for them. Mm, I'll pay for it. See, so they say I can't afford to say I will, because I, I want you to be well taken care of. Mm -hmm. So creative ways to help your family, yeah. you know. And then, and then what you have to do is you got to make sure. In fact, my wife and I talk about this a lot, so I don't feel like I'm out there. And I always say, All right, listen, um, I want this to continue. I said because if I die. Before I die, I don't want you to be in a position to have to make those decisions. Yeah. So I want that in my will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So therefore, when I die, the money I was given, so this relative, yeah. that goes right to a trust to go to them. Yeah. Yes. Right. So yeah. they're my wife, because you know, if I die early, I'm sure I'll die early because I'm so stressed out all the time doing all this work. <laughs> so, so we don't so, claim that. No. So, yeah. so you know, I, I, I just want to, I just want to make sure, like you know, I'm like, yeah, I'd like you to get married again and be happy, right? Yeah. Don't sit there and go like, oh, I miss Kevin. Like, all right, miss me for a year. Give me at least a year to look so at least look respectful. Yeah. Don't be like start dating Three about months you know. Like, oh, where are you can, you get together after the week? I'm like, oh no, we're heading to, we're heading to France to go shopping. <laughs> Kevin did a good job. Oh <laughs> and he funded it. Kevin is funding it. Thank he, you. He, he had that financial plan for me. Oh I said just like for a year, like date quietly, yeah, don't yeah, let anybody yeah. know. Then you good, and then you can come out. I'm like, oh yeah, I met Kevin 2.0. <laughs> But, oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, so you're probably you. gonna cut that out. Right? Yeah, we're gonna edit that out, yeah. Yo, you but, keep it in. I don't yeah, mind. No, my, uh, my wife knows my sense of humor. Nah, that was good. No, but thank you so much. Listen, oh we usually say people probably listening right now they can wonder what they're talking about. This one, they know what we're talking about. <laughs> your point. And we usually say we might be right, we might be wrong, but in this case, we right. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, we just young, young black, black, and figuring it out. Tough. Boy